0: prayer is toward the beginning and he says to pray that God's will be done. Mm. Jesus. That his will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And so that, when we sing that song, we are really proclaiming and declaring Jesus that your will be done in my life. Amen? That's what it means to see his kingdom manifested in the earth. The book of Proverbs chapter 13 and we'll begin reading or we will read verse 20. When you got it say so, Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20, it says this, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. It's Pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Let me pray for you and we'll go home. (laughs) Just give me a few minutes and we'll work together. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for your mercy and your kindness toward us, God. And today we ask, Holy Spirit, speak to us in these next few moments. Give us ears to hear what your spirit says to the church. Help us, Heavenly Father, not only to hear what you are saying, but to live it out. God, we want to bring glory and honor under your name. And so I pray that you would remove any hardness in our hearts. Father, that you would remove any doubt from our hearts, that you would give us the ability, Lord God, to hear your spirit speak to us, God. Give us the faith to respond, Lord God, to truth. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for... Those brothers and sisters that could not be with us today physically, Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would strengthen them, that you be with them, Lord God. I pray that you would bring healing where healing is necessary, that you would give wisdom where wisdom is necessary. Heavenly Father, and I do ask you to glorify yourself in every situation that my brothers or sisters are facing today. I pray this all in Jesus' good name. And someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so... We are continuing on in our series, God Wisdom or, or Wisdom Cries Out, not God Wisdom, that was going to be the original title, I'm sorry. Wisdom Cries Out, we're talking about wisdom crying out and this week we are going to deal with a topic that is very important and it is negative, say negative, negative. Influences. Last week, we looked at our need for outside counsel, that every one of us that is in this place needs counsel from outside of themselves, that it's not just about you figuring things out on your own, that is not God's plan, that is not God's purpose, and wisdom directs us and shows us that we need to hear counsel from the outside. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. And so, with that being said, if we want to walk in the fullness of God's wisdom upon the earth, then we're going to do what? We're going to ask for outside counsel. I want you to realize something: Jesus is the only man that walked on the earth who had a perfect relationship with God the Father. He's the only one because his relationship was not was uninhibited by sin. Jesus had no sin; therefore, there wasn't a need for repentance. There wasn't confusion. Jesus was was always assured of the wisdom. in the will of God, but when we read our Bibles, we find something out, that Jesus grew in wisdom, amen? amen, he had someone teaching him, now mind you, when he got to a certain age, and the revelation of who he was, was fully, he wasn't, you know, asking people for counsel, wasn't asking people for wisdom, he was getting that directly from God the Father, but he is the only one who does it. who didn't need anyone else to speak into his life when he's an adult, amen, amen. see a lot of times, especially for us older folks, say older folks, mm-hmm, you know, us folks that are grown, we're the ones that, you know, we, we, we already did our teenage years, you know, we went to school and everything like that. We get to a certain age and we feel like we know it all. I know we thought that the teenagers were the only ones that thought that, but we get to an age. Amen, somebody. You know, we, 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 we go to different stages because when we're, you know, when we become into teenage years, and, and for my, my teenage friends that are in here, I love you all. Glory to God. I went through that stage. I thought I knew everything. Amen. But then I got to another stage where I realized, man, I do know everything. That's the older stage. And then I got to the place where I met Jesus and I realized, man, I don't know nothing. I know that was a double negative. I know that. But listen, here's the thing. The thing is that we want to make sure that we get this need for outside counsel. We need, some, we need more than just one person speaking into our lives. We need to be open to the Spirit of God. Amen? We need to be open to God's counsel through others. And so here's the thing. God has created us to be interdependent upon one another. And you see the scripture that we read, look at it again with me. It says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And so here's the thing, you are going to walk with someone. Let me say that again. You are going to walk with someone. They may be walking with you, but nonetheless, you're walking with them as well. And here's the thing, if you're walking with wise people, you know what the Bible says? You'll be wise. If you're walking with foolish people, what does the Bible say? You will be destroyed. That's what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach us this. And so it's important for us to consider who we're walking with. It's important for us because when we look at walking, usually when people are walking together, the picture is this. It's not just you walking down a road together. What happens when you're walking with someone? Are you not talking with that someone? Are you not having conversation with that someone? Are you not asking that person their opinion about situations that you may be facing? That's what happens when we walk with someone. And so when we walk with wise people, what we are getting is we are getting wise counsel. When we are walking with unwise people or foolish people, we are not receiving wise counsel. Council therefore the end is what destruction the end is going to be destruction how many of you think that God wants you to experience destruction nobody believes that in this place I hope and if you did I want you to understand something God doesn't want you to experience destruction God God now listen I'm going to say this God doesn't want you to necessarily experience an easy life amen But he doesn't want you to experience destruction in the ultimate sense. He doesn't want you to spend eternity in hell separated from him because of you desiring to walk in foolishness. Because of you desiring to experience things that he doesn't want you to experience. So here's the thing. Since we each need other people, since all of us need other people, it's natural that we will either seek people out or we will be sought out by others for relationship. And these relationships will influence our lives, whether for good or for bad. We will be influenced for good or for bad, no matter what. The people we're walking with, the counsel we are listening to is going to help us in a good way or in a negative way. It's going to lead us. And we must ensure that as we seek after the wisdom of God, which is my prayer, that as you've been hearing this series, that you are desiring to hear the wisdom of God and not only hear it, but to live it out, that we are not subjecting ourselves. That as, as we seek God's wisdom, that we are not subjecting ourselves to negative influences. Say negative influences. And I want to clarify something When I say negative influences I'm not just talking about negative thinking Understand this with me please We live in a day and an age Where you know people will tell you You know you need to get around positive people You need to get around positive people So they can be You know you have positive influences in your life That's not what I'm talking about I'm not talking about people Listen you can be around some people I'm not telling you to be around negative people But what I'm saying is When I'm using the word negative Say negative, negative. It, 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 it means Say it means, it means. Unbiblical I want to talk about unbiblical influences, not just people that are negative, that are ho hum and stuff like that. That you know, you need to encourage folks that are that, that are like that, and people that just continue on and don't want to hear the biblical counsel that you can bring into their life. Then maybe you need to distance yourself from them. Or when they start bringing out the negativity and start unloading that on you, you need to be like, hold on a second, I don't want to hear that. Maybe that's what you need to do. But I'm not just talking about negative people. I'm talking about unbiblical influences. I'm talking about counsel that is contrary to the scriptures. I'm talking about people speaking into your life things that are not going to bring glory and honor to God. So we shouldn't be subjecting ourselves to that stuff, but we should be recognizing those influences and we should be dealing with them. And those are the two things that we'll talk about primarily today. Number one is recognizing the unbiblical, ungodly influences. And number two, how do we deal with them? And so I'll say this. Ungodly or unbiblical influences usually arrive or arise in our lives just in time to divert us from the truth. Let me say that again. Ungodly or unbiblical influences usually arrive or arise in our lives just in time to divert us from the truth. You start seeking God. You start going after him. You start getting into his word. And someone, you know that old friend that hasn't called you in forever calls you up that person you haven't heard from in a long time they want to go hang out they're like hey man we we got we're going to the club you ain't invite they they haven't invited you to the club for who knows how long but they come those conversations happen people now want to start hanging out in other words what is happening is God is trying to lead you and the enemy is trying to do what distract you He's trying to deter you from walking in the truth. You go through a situation in your life. You go through some hardship in your life. And what happens is you're trying to seek the counsel and the wisdom of God in the scriptures. You're looking for God, crying out to him, God, give me wisdom, give me direction. Dealing with hard situation, whatever it may be. And right at that moment when you're like, okay, I'm going to determine to walk in this truth, someone will show up in your life. But I tell you, you don't have to go that route. You don't have to take the hard road. You know, you go through a situation. Where we'll, we'll use marriage for an example. Let's just throw that one out there because that one is one that people struggle with. You're going through situations, issues in your marriage. Everything is just tough. It's difficult. And then what happens is you are at a place where you're like, okay, I'm going to listen to what the scriptures say. I'm going to stick it out. And then someone will come and say, man, I was miserable for so long. You should leave. I'm so happy now. Do you think that that's God's counsel? Somebody will say, oh, yeah, I've been praying and now God brought a voice. Hello, somebody. Listen, whatever voice comes into your life, make sure that that voice is not speaking contrary to the Bible. Make sure that voice is not speaking contrary to the scriptures. So the first thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. We must recognize the different sources of unbiblical influence. We must recognize the different sources of unbiblical or negative influences. There are generally two categories of negative influences or unbiblical influences, and those categories would be external and internal. The external ones are usually much easier to deal with and recognize. And so we'll deal with those first. And then secondly, we'll deal with the internal. So the external influences. The first one is this. It is people in general, friends in particular. That's the first area of external influence that we have. People in general, friends in particular. Look back for a moment with me to chapter 12 in in, in the book of Proverbs. And look at verse 26. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. It says this. It says, The righteous should choose his friends carefully. For the way of the wicked leads them astray. The righteous should choose his friends carefully. For the way of the wicked leads them astray. So here's the thing. When you look at this verse, depending on the translation that you have, other translation, they say something along the lines of that the righteous is a guide to his neighbor. That's what it says here. When you look at the original, I I want to explain this to you. When you look at the original, it's only a few Hebrew words there. And those Hebrew words really would say this. It would say that the righteous searches out, his, his associates or his friends, basically, is what that scripture is saying. The point of this scripture is that there are two influences here in our relationships. It's the relationship of the righteous and the relationship of the wicked. Two relationships, two areas of influence. The righteous are going to do what? They're going to lead you in the right way. They're going to lead you in the path that you should go. They're going to communicate to you the gospel. They're going to share with you the things that you do not necessarily want to hear. The wicked, not so much. The wicked are going to communicate with you, yeah, I understand what you're going through, just follow my direction. Do what I did in order to deal with your situation rather than pointing you back to Jesus and bringing you to the place of repentance and following the scriptures. So the first place of external influence that we have is that of friends and people in general. The second one is gossip. Say gossip. Mm Mm-hmm. Turn to Proverbs 18 and verse 8. Let's look at what Proverbs 18 and verse 8 says. It says this: It says, "The words of a talebearer that would be a gossip are like tasty trifles. They're like delicacies, is what it says here. Oh, come on, let me hear the scope. Right? I, I, I want to hear what's going on. You, you, you got something, you got some good stuff. That, that's what it says here. It says here. The words of a talebearer, talebearer, Someone who is telling a story Who is bearing that story Carrying it everywhere they go They got to tell you the inside scoop But don't tell no one I'm going to tell you but don't tell anyone It says this And they go down into the inmost body what, 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 Why is this important? Because you need to understand something When you are listening to a gossip It is affecting your heart Are you hearing me? When you are listening to a gossip, when you are listening to someone who loves to tell you, you know, for us Hispanics, all the bochinche. (laughs) Right? When you like listening to that stuff, I don't care. Listen, I don't care how spiritual you are. It is affecting you, not because I said it. The Bible said it. The Bible says that stuff goes down into our hearts. So the first area of external influence People in general, friends in particular. The second area of external influence is gossip. The third area, y'all are going to love this one. Turn to verse um, chapter 20, verse 1. This portion is going to offend some. It's going to liberate others. And I'm going to probably say some things that I have never said, never thought I would ever say, but I'm going to say it because it's the truth. Amen? The third one. Chapter 20 and verse 1. External influence is alcohol. Say alcohol. Alcohol. It says this. It says wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Now here's here's the thing. It said that wine is a mocker, right? Right? a mocker is one that makes fun of you, you, remember, you remember back in the book of Genesis you remember the story of Noah remember he was in the ark and he was in there for a long time comes out of the ark the first thing the guy does he goes and you know he makes some sacrifice unto the Lord then he goes and he makes a vineyard he's like glory to God I need to get some wine it's been a long time and so he sits down and he goes brother gets slap drunk right and what happens he's butt naked he's being made fun of because wine is a mocker. wine's going to make you look stupid. Y'all ain't hearing me. Listen, I've said that stuff before. I'm going to say something else in a moment. We'll get there. But here's the thing. It's, going to make, it's, it's a mocker. It makes you look bad. But you know what it also does? It makes you look at other people. We're going to look at those scriptures together. But it makes you see things in, in a way that's incorrect. It goes on to say here that strong drink is a brawler. You want, to know, you, you want to know the first time that I got into a fight with one of my family members, you know what I was doing? Drinking Bacardi. Because it's a brawler, and so it, and what I want—I want to say this just to defend myself. I wonder not I started the fight. Hey Amen. I'm—I'm—I I'm did not. I, I was just—I was good. I, I was still in the place of a mocker, right? I, I wasn't in a, in a brawling stage yet. But what happens is, you start mocking someone for long enough, before you know, it, it's going to turn into a brawl. A brawl is a fight. For those of you that are like, "What's a brawl?" At? That's what it is. And so he says this: "Those who are led astray." You see what the scripture said? The scripture says that these things lead you. Say they lead you. In other words, they influence your decisions. Let's look at some more scriptures in the book of Proverbs dealing with alcohol. Look at chapter 23 and verse 29 through 35. Y'all will love this one too. 23 verse 29 through 35 when you got to say so. Look at this. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? This sounds like a commercial, doesn't it? I have Visine for you, and I'm going to help you out. So here, wait a second. You see these things? These things are not good, right? Are these? Are any of these good? Who has woe? How many of y'all want woe? Woe. How many of y'all want sorrow? Yes? Yes? Going once? How many of you want complaints? Some of y'all need to be delivered delivered from your complaining. But anyway. How many of y'all want contention? Tension and... How many of you want wounds, like you wake up with bruises, don't even know where they came from? Y- y'all want that? I-, I don't know. Who wants redness of eyes? Okay. He's going to tell you who right now in verse 30, 30. Those who linger long at the wine. Those who go in search of mixed wine. Linger long means like you sit and you just pounding them down. That's what it means. That, 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 that's, that's, that's a modern day translation, all right? Verse 31. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things. Didn't I just say that wine is a mocker, right? Your eyes see things that, that, that aren't even really there. And your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea one like one who lies at the top of the mass saying they 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 have struck me but i was not hurt you didn't feel it they have beaten me but i did not feel it when shall i awake and i may seek that i may seek another drink so we see some issues here right with alcohol and what it does makes us see things. It's a mocker. Why? It's going to make fun of you. It's going to make you look stupid. It's going to make you see stuff. And here's the thing that happens. People who drink or whatever, you know, whatever they do that alters their state of mind, they always feel like they can handle it. They always feel like, man, I I do better work when when I'm relaxed, when I'm feeling nice. That's, that's when I do my best work, right? Whatever that work is, it, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, that, 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 that's when I'm at my best. You know, I'm, I'm the most juvial, whatever the case may be. But they don't see themselves. Hello? Let's, let's go on. Let's move on to the next scripture, chapter 31, verse 4 through 7. This is when I'm, I'm going to say some things that I've never said before. Chapter 31, verse 4, when you got it, say amen. It says, it is not for kings, Limwell. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law, and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. And so pause with me for a moment. It says here clearly, he's talking, the king is speaking to his son, right? And he's saying, listen, he said, this is not for you. If you're going to be a leader, if you're going to do something, you should be sober is what it's communicating here. It's saying you need to be in your right mind because if you drink alcohol in a way that makes you drunk, that you get intoxicated, it is going to alter your ability to judge. Isn't that what you learned when you were going, you know, growing up and you were in school and they talked about the effects of alcohol? What do they say? It impairs your judgment, right? From you having this great peripheral vision, now you see tunnel vision. You think you're seeing everything the way it should be, but you're not. That's the reason why you keep hitting that garbage can. That's the reason why you're tripping, because you don't see, because your judgment is off. And so he's saying that you should not participate in this. But then go on and look what he says here in verse 6. He says, it's not for you in in the other verses. He said, but give strong drink to him who is perishing. And wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. So it sounds like the Bible is saying, go on ahead and let someone that's depressed just, just forget about all this stuff and just drink away. That, that, that's, what it, that, that's what it sounds like, right? Like, like, it, like it's a license. Like if you're depressed, yo, just go ahead and just go tie one on, glory to God. Do it in the name of Proverbs 31 verse 6 or whatever, All right? I want you to get something. and, and hear, hear what I'm about to say. This is what I've never said before. The Bible does not condemn drinking alcohol. Did you hear me? I know you can... It's a, yeah, I said that. Now, I want to say this, like in parentheses over here before I say anything else. You will never see me sit down and have a drink. Amen. I don't need it. I don't desire it. And I'm not going to be a stumbling block to anyone else. I'm not going to sit down and have a Budweiser and be like, yo, I'm free. I can, I can drink. I can do whatever I want to do. Okay. And then what about the person who's struggling with alcoholism? And they say, well, Bishop, and if they're talking to you, they'll be like, well, you're a pastor. He, he was having a drink, and so I'm good to go. Listen, the Bible does not condemn drinking alcohol. It always condemns being drunk. Hallelujah. Now, here's the problem. Almost every single person I know that drinks, they don't just drink because they like the taste. Are you hearing me? They're drinking because they want to alter their way of thinking. They want to alter the way that they are feeling. So that would be condemned in the scripture. Now, let me take you to the New Testament. The book of Ephesians. Now, mind you, when this is written here in the Old Testament, what do we have to do with all of scripture? Old Testament, you got to run it through the cross. Amen? So you got to go from the Old Testament through the cross. How do we fall on the, on, on, on the whole thing? Well, when you move forward, you'll notice something. Paul, tells, Paul, Paul is speaking to Timothy in one place, and he tells him something. He says, listen, don't just drink water. He says, drink wine so you can feel nice. Is that what he says? He does not say drink wine so you can feel nice. He says drink wine for your often infirmities. Drink wine because you're sickness. Why? Because in those days they didn't have medication like we do. Are you hearing me? That's the first thing you need to get. In those days they didn't have tums. They didn't have all of these other things to deal with stomach issues. So what did you do? You drank wine for the pain. You you dealt with that. That's the way that you utilize that. Here's the other thing. When you look at the New Testament, you'll find in the book of Ephesians, what does the book of Ephesians say? The book of Ephesians says, do not be drunk with wine, which leads to dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, here's what I want you to get. The person that is being described here, the person who is dying, right? That person, what do they usually give them? They give them something like morphine or something like that, right? When they're in the hospital for the pain, they don't need to go and get, you know, uh, 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 whatever, of Bacardi or whatever the case is. They don't have to do that. Why? Because we have medication to deal with that kind of pain. Now, for the person who is depressed and discouraged, do they need to go drink wine? No. You know why? Because they have the Holy Spirit, and they should not be depending upon alcohol to drown sorrow. They should be depending upon the Holy Spirit to fill their hearts with joy and drown out the sorrows of life. So here's the thing. The Bible doesn't condemn drinking of alcohol, but the Bible always condemns being drunk. And so if you're one of those people that has like two sips and you're good to go, then you know what? You're all right. But if you're that person that starts off with two sips and ends up with two 12-packs or two bottles or whatever the case is, you need to stay away from that because that is sin for you and you are going to dishonor God with your behavior. And so if you struggle with this, don't take this as a license like you're free to just go do what you want. You need to be liberated. Because the truth of the matter is, there is no need for it in our day. None at all. I mean, you don't, you don't need to utilize it. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. You're depressed, where do you go? To alcohol or Jesus? You have a headache, do you need to drink wine or can you just take an aspirin? I'm just saying, pray first and if it don't go away, take an Advil. Amen. Be like, man, I got I to go get this drink on because I got a headache. Hello, come on, man. I mean, really? Seriously? Anyway, glory to God. Three influences that are external so far. The first one is people in general, friends in particular, gossip, alcohol. And the last one that I'll say for, foolish, for, for um, e- external influences is what I'm going to call foolish experts. Foolish experts, turn to, turn to Proverbs 17, chapter 12. I mean, chapter 17, verse 12. Proverbs 17, verse 12, and you got to say amen. It says this. It says, let a man meet a bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. So think about this for a moment. A bear robbed of her cubs. How angry do you think that bear would be? Pretty, pretty angry, right? That wouldn't be something that you would really want to deal with. And he says, it'd be better for you to do that than to meet a fool that is bound up in his folly. Someone who is just all up in their, their, their foolishness. They're like, this is the right way. This is the way I'm going to do this. This is the way I'm going to handle this. He says that there's a problem with that, right? Look at, ver- look at chapter 26. Turn to chapter 26 and verse 12. You got to say Amen. It says this, it says, Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. That's a foolish expert right there. They know the answer. You know they're the person that has been there, done that. They bought the shirt. It's kind of faded on them because they're so experienced. Right? Foolish experts. Those are the influences. The ones who are so educated. The ones who are so intelligent that they are beyond you. You know, the ones you try to have conversations with and like, oh yeah, I've been to church, but you know, I'm beyond that. You know, the ones who are spiritual now, they used to be Christian, but they don't like organized religion. You know those people, right? Those are the foolish experts. Why? Because God's plans haven't changed. When God saved me, he didn't just save me to himself, he saved me to you too, amen? Amen. When he saved you, he didn't just save you to himself. He didn't just save you from sin. He saved you for a relationship with other believers. That's what the Bible says. Organized religion, God's the one who organized Christianity. Now, now listen, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we could talk about. But in, in the new year, I'm going to go through the book of Acts. When we go through the book of Acts, we're going to see how God, not man, how God established his church, how God desired for his church to live and to act, and how, how God did these things. It wasn't man that decided, okay, well, we're gonna meet, you know, men may have decided what day, what time. Obviously, God didn't come to me and say, hey, I want you to meet at 10:30 every Sunday. He didn't do that. We just decided, you know what, 10:30 works, so we're gonna do that. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what we did. But all the other, but 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 as far as gathering together, as far as worship, that's not man-made, that's God ordained. There's a difference. And so you have these people that they're experts in different things. You have people, I, I was talking to someone who I love dearly, and um, they have a real bad, we talked about marriage a little bit earlier, and so they have a real bad idea when it comes to marriage. They're like, you know what, marriage, we, we, don't, we, you know, we don't need to be married in order to have good relationship. You know, we, don't, we don't need to be married in order to honor God because marriage is nothing but a piece of paper. That's what they communicate, something that God ordains. Now, now this person, I love them very much. And, I, and I've had conversations, multiple conversations with them regarding the topic. Here's the thing. They're a foolish expert. They know it all. Those are the kind of people that will influence or the kind of things that will influence us from the outside. Let's talk about internal influences. There are two that I will deal with. The first one is pride. Say pride. Turn to chapter 11 and verse 2 of the book of Proverbs. And we'll look at pride as an influence in our lives and what that influence does. Proverbs 11 verse 2 it says this it says when pride comes then comes shame but with the humble is what? wisdom so pride leads us to what? to shame let's look at chapter 13 in verse 10 it says by pride comes nothing but strife but with the well advised is wisdom so humility and well advised or prideful one of the two Look at chapter 16 and verse 18. It says, Pride goes before destruction and a hearty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Pride goes before destruction and a hearty spirit before a fall. Look at chapter 18 and verse 12. It says, Before the destruction of a man Uh, Before before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty And before honor is humility Pride Last, Last verse we'll look at dealing with pride Chapter 29, verse 23 A man's pride will bring him low But the humble in spirit will retain honor So we saw that the well-advised are the ones that have wisdom. And what pride will do, pride will tell you, I don't need to ask for anyone's help. I can't tell you how many people that I have dealt with that are like this. They're so prideful, whether it's an issue with their marriage, whether it's an issue with their children, whether it's an issue in their personal life, whatever it may be. They are so prideful that they will never seek the help of someone else. They are dying because their situation is eating them alive, but because they are so prideful and they don't want anyone to think that their situation is really like it is, they would rather put their best foot forward until they're falling all over the place, until it is too late for the situation but internal influences of pride you think yourself higher than other people you're smarter than other people you're more experienced than other people you've been to more places experienced more things you have read more books and so you are prideful and you do not need to talk to anyone or get counsel from anyone and what happens is the scriptures say not me the Bible says that you will experience a fall you will experience destruction because you your heart is prideful internal influences nobody else made you prideful you know when you were growing up they might have told you you were good looking they might have told you that you were going to be the best this or whatever most likely to succeed they didn't make you prideful that's something that you decided that you were going to be on your own and so what happens to us we need to check ourselves. is pride the thing that is dealing with me is that the thing that's the internal influence in my life that is keeping me from experiencing the honor that comes after humility The second thing, internal influence that we'll deal with is what I will say is a hard heart. Say a hard heart. You're already there in chapter 28. Is the chapter right before um, chapter 29. Chapter 28 and verse 14. It says this. It says, happy is the man who is always reverent. But he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Happy is he who is always reverent but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. What the scripture is talking about here in the first part of the verse, happy is the person who is always reverent. In other words, happy is the person who always keeps God's law on their mind and on their heart. Happy is the person who keeps their heart focused on what is important to Jesus. That's what the scripture is talking about. Happy is that person who is reverent, who honors God, who before they make a decision, they consider, does this bring honor? Does this bring glory to Jesus? jesus that is the person that is going to be happy and that word happy there is the word for blessed as well and so it's talking about how blessed is that person who is always reverent who always considers what god's will is that's what he says in the first part but he goes on to say he said but whoever um i'm sorry i lost the verse there 14 but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity the one who decides, you know what, I've kept God's law in front of me and the things haven't happened the way I wanted them to. I've tried to do things the way that the scriptures say. I've tried to do things the way that biblical counsel, counselors have communicated to me. I've tried to do that stuff. But you know what, no longer am I going to be reverent to God. But what I'm going to do is I am going to let my heart become hard and I'm going to follow what I think is best. That's what he's saying here. And he's saying what will happen to you is you will fall into calamity. You will fall into calamity. Look with me to, to, to chapter 23. A couple of chapters back in verse 17. And so you can get some context of one of the things that makes our hearts hard. 23 and verse 17. He says this. He says, do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous For the fear of the Lord all day, for surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. You see, what happens to us is that we see evildoers. We see people, when I say evildoers, we see those who they don't love Jesus. We see those who are not seeking God. We see those who are not reverent to God in any way, shape, or form. They're not thinking about God, and their lives seem to be better than ours. They seem to have more good stuff than we do. And we're working hard. I was having a conversation with a brother that, that, that was visiting with us last week. And in, in, our, in, in our conversation, he was talking about that. He was like, man, you know, I've been trying to do things the right way. I'm trying to seek God. And you know what? I'm seeing this guy. And he, and, and he gave this story about another professing Christian that was working with him. And this professing Christian was in an adulterous relationship. And that professing Christian got a promotion in their job. And everything seemed great. And he got let go. He was like, Man, Bishop, I'm trying to do everything the way that the scriptures say. And you know what I had to tell him? I had to tell him, Listen, brother, I don't mean to be rude or harsh or insensitive to your situation, but God does not owe us anything. You understand me? God does not owe me a thing. I haven't earned God's blessing because I'm so great. The only thing I've earned is God's wrath. The only thing I have earned is hell. That's the only thing that I have earned. That is the only thing that I can say, hey man, give me credit. That's the only thing I can do. That is the only thing I can say that I can take credit for. Is the fact that I deserve God's wrath. Anything that I get is because of what? God's mercy. Anything that I have is because of God's grace. And I told him, I said, I want you to understand something as well, because we get upset because we don't see people that are not seeking God, not going after God. We don't see them sometimes experiencing the consequences. I said, you know what the Bible says? And I think it's in like first Timothy or something like that. It says pretty clearly that there are some people whose sins are evident. Other people's sins will follow them later. Now listen to me. I don't know about you, but I want you to understand the context here. The context is there are some people who they look like there are no consequences for their sin, but they are going to pay the greatest consequence, and that is going to be in eternity. Let me ask you a question. Where would you want your consequences to be? Here and now or when you go before Jesus? I would like to see some consequences now, please. I would like to lose some stuff because of my disobedience. I would like to experience some hardship because of my hardheadedness. Amen. I know I just made a dictionary word right there. Glory to God. But here's the thing. I would love to, I would love to experience that because you know what the other thing is that I'm going to, that, that I can experience? The first one is I can experience nothing, everything good in this earth, get promoted, never get corrected for my sin, never get challenged, and then I go before Jesus. And you know what he says? Many will say unto me in that day, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do great works in your name? Did we not do miracles in your name? And he will say, part from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. Now listen, if you're that person that is in here, you continue to disrespect and dishonor God, you continue to sin against the Lord, don't think he doesn't see your sin. Because that's what the Bible talks about in the book of Psalms chapter 14 and verse 1 It says the fool has said in his heart that there is no God The fool has said in his heart, man there is no God You don't see these people acting foolish, there is no God I did this wrong, nothing happened to me, there is no God See we think about that verse and we think that that's people that are like atheists right That they say oh you know what there is no God That's not what that verse is talking about It's talking about people who should know better, who decide there is no God, so I'm going to live sinfully. There is no God, so I'm going to do what I want to do. Our hearts become hard because of what? Because we try to obey the Scriptures. For us that are Christian, we try to do what the Scriptures say, and what ends up happening is we get hurt. Someone hurts us, our hearts begin to become hard. We begin to become bitter towards people. Our hearts become hard because we have unforgiveness in our heart. Our hearts become hard because we have unbelief. We don't believe this anymore. That's what happens. And here is the truth. The truth is, it doesn't matter what you believe. The truth is what matters. It doesn't matter what you think the truth is. Because when you go to Jesus, trust me when I say this to you. There's not going to be a group of people over here who thought and felt something else and Jesus is going to say, I'm going to give you a pass into heaven. I don't know if you saw the picture. Here's the picture. It's like a group of people that come to Jesus and be like, well, I didn't believe that. Okay, bye. There's no, like, wait box. Like, like let, let's, see, let's see some more people come to judgment. Then you can consider. It's not like that. Your opportunity, my opportunity is right here and now. It is appointed on man once to die. Once to die. And then the judgment. Period. There's no second chance. There's no second opportunity. There's no, okay, maybe. No, no, no. This should bring fear in our hearts because when our hearts become hard, what we begin to do, we declare ourselves Christian in one word, but in our actions, we declare that we don't honor him. We declare there is no God. So the hardness of our hearts becomes this other influence in our lives. As those seeking to live lives that are led by God's wisdom, we must be on guard against these influences, the external influences and the internal influences. Because what these influences will do is they will subtly lead us astray from the path of righteousness, and they will diminish our trust and our devotion unto the Lord. And so we have to be on guard against those things. The second thing I ask you to repeat after me is say this, say we must deal with the sources of unbiblical influence. We must deal with the sources of unbiblical influences. The negative influences around us will never cease to be. Yet, you and I must deal with those, those unbiblical influences in a biblical way. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 6. And let's see how the Bible says we should deal with these negative influences. Proverbs 18 and verse 6. i was 18 verse 6 when you got to say amen i love this verse it says a fool's lips enter into contention and his mouth calls for blows did you see the i love the bible because it it it, it make you laugh at stuff but see the image it's talking about slapping someone in the mouth so i'm telling you slap someone in the mouth i'm just joking that's not what i'm saying What I'm saying is, the first way that you deal with these unbiblical influences, confront them. Confront them. Confront them. When someone is being foolish, don't be a coward. Confront them. Confront them in love. Your first desire, listen to me, your first desire is to bring them to repentance. Amen? Your first desire is to bring them to repentance, to help them recognize that they are wrong. As a person who loves and cares about the eternity of people, we have to be willing to confront them. And here is the reality. The reality is that foolishness makes you and I mad sometimes. Amen? Amen. There are some people that we just love to death. Hallelujah. We love them. We want to love on them. We want to be with them. And there are other people we would love to slap upside the head. Amen? there are some people that we would because they are so foolish, they are so arrogant and they are so ignorant at the same time. So how do we deal with that? Well, the first thing is you confront that ignorance. You confront that ungodly influence. If they're unwilling to repent, then you continue on and then we'd move on to the next thing. Look at chapter 20 ver- I mean Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 19. He says this. It says he who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Remember that's the gossip. So he's the one that reveals secrets. Secrets. It says this. It says, therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. Now what does flattering with your lips have to do with being a gossip? Here's what it is. There are certain people that be around you, and you know what? They act so loving and so caring because they want the scoop. Are you with me? They, 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 listen, you can tell them anything. Just don't expect them to keep it to themselves. You can, listen, you can pour out your heart to them. You can tell them all of your dirt. You can do it all. But here's the thing. The Bible says don't associate with that kind of person. That kind of person that is just listening to everything, flattering with their lips, he said don't associate with them. So here's the first thing. The first thing is you confront those unbiblical influences. The second thing is you disallow those unbiblical influences. Let's look at a couple of more verses to deal with this disallowing or not allowing those influences in our lives. 22 and verse 10, Proverbs 22 and verse 10. It says this, it says, cast out the scoffer and contention will leave. Yes, strife and reproach will cease. Cast them out. Get rid of them. Look at chapter 23, verse 19 and verse 20. It says this, it says, hear my son and be wise and guide your heart in the way. Do not mix with wine bibbers. Those are people that get, those are drunkards or alcoholics or with gluttonous eaters of meat. Time out. Let's pause for a moment. Because we are always rebuking the alcoholics. What about the gluttons? We don't talk about that. People that cannot control. Look, they, they cannot. That's what, that, that's what the point of the scripture is. It's people who have no self-control. This is, what, this, this is what our Bible says. Our Bible says that we are supposed to not mix with them. Don't hang out with them. Verse 21 says for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty. And drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. And so we don't allow we don't hang out with those with, with those influences in our lives that are unwilling to repent. And when I say hang out with them, we don't allow them to influence us. Are you getting that picture? It's not that you you separate from the world because you can't influence the world if you're not dealing with them. What it is saying is don't allow these people to be the influence in your life. You be the influence in their life. And be honest. When they are influencing you, repent and and, and get away from that. Are you here? Because the fact of the matter is if I'm going to be salt, I, I say this all the time, how can salt affect meat if it never touches it? It doesn't. The salt could be in the same room. The salt could be in the same shelf. The salt could be in the refrigerator in the same pot. But if it does not come out of its container and touch on the meat, it's never going to affect it. It's the same thing with us. We will never affect the lives of people around us if we are not touching them. But here is the thing. If they are making us more like them, then we need to repent, recognize that, and not associate with them until we are strong enough in order to not be the ones that are being influenced the last verse that we'll look at for this, for this area is chapter 26 and verse 20. This gives us a good picture. It says, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no tailbearer, strife ceases. Where there's no gossip, strife ceases. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles. This, this is repeated from earlier. And they go down into the inmost of the body. So what do we need to do? You don't want a fire? Get rid of the wood. That's what It's simple. You don't want strife? Get rid of the gossip. Get rid of the person who's always tell, talking about stuff. Get rid of that person. Don't allow them to speak into your life and you'll deal with those things. So the first thing that we need to do in order for us to deal with those unbiblical influences is number one, we confront them in love but in truth. We confront them. The second thing is, if they're unwilling to repent and we're not strong enough to maintain a relationship, then we disallow those influences in our life. The third thing, which is the most important for me, it is this. It is that we must hold Scripture as the highest and final authority in all of our lives. Amen? We must hold the Scriptures. Nothing else has higher authority than your Bible. Are you with me? No other counsel... No other, no, 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 no other knowledge, no other wisdom has. Listen, it is the Word of God that must be the highest and final authority. I am not the highest and final authority in my daughter's life. Jesus is, and God's Word is. Amen. I am not the highest and final authority in this church. Jesus is. His word is. That is the highest and final authority. That is how we are supposed to live. That the scriptures will be the thing that we turn to and that we look at when people are giving us counsel, advising us, speaking into our lives. That we look at a, at a standard that does not change. And it is your Bible that does not change. It is the scriptures that do not change. The thing is this, that we want to let other things be final authority. We want to let other people be final authority because they have more experience in this area. So therefore, they are going to be final authority. We talked about the whole science thing, and we looked at the, and we looked at what the Bible communicates. If you read your Bible and you believe it, then you know what you believe. You believe the Earth was created in six hour days. Amen. Say amen, please. That's what you believe. So that means that you probably believe either in a young earth or you believe that in the time of the flood, like I explained the other day, that there was something that happened that makes the earth look older. But here's the thing that you don't do. You don't embrace science, listen now, over your Bible. Look at what your Bible says. Are you with me here? Look at what the scriptures teach. You will be amazed. Hear what I'm going to say. You will be amazed. At how much amazing scientific stuff is in your Bible. You'll be amazed at the things that the Bible talks about. It talks about the constellations before anyone knew about a constellation. Hello. Where did they get this information from? There was no telescope, glory to God. It is because God knows these things. There are things in the scriptures. And so I'm not telling you to not look at these other sources. But let me ask you a question. If you had a choice between talking to Dr. Phil about your marriage and Jesus, who would you choose? I would hope you would choose Jesus. Some people, no, I'm going to talk to Dr. Phil because he's married, he's got kids, he's got a counseling degree. Jesus was never married, didn't have a counseling degree. Really? Listen to me. Your Bible has to be highest authority. And I'll give you a scripture. We don't have to turn there. But the book of Psalms, chapter 138 and verse 2 is... The Bible says there that God has magnified his word above his name. And so God makes the word of God highest authority, should be highest authority in all of our lives. The fourth thing that we must do in dealing with these unbiblical influences is we must seek and subject ourselves to godly proven counselors. Turn to Proverbs chapter 11. I want you to see something here. Proverbs chapter 11 and we're going to look from verse 3 to verse 6. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 3. It says, The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. And so we see here, it is the integrity of the upright that guides them. They're led, and you see this in their lives. I'll give you a couple of other scriptures you can write down. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 12. It says this. It says to know those who labor among you. That word know, it means to inspect their life. It means to, it means to acknowledge them. Look at their life. The book of Hebrews, chapter 13 and verse 7, it says to consider the conduct, the outcome of the lives of those leaders in your life. Look at the lives of the people whom you are allowing to speak into your life. Look at their lives. That matters. If their life doesn't align with the scriptures, you shouldn't take everything that they say and just run with it. You should look at what the scriptures teach and take the scriptures at face value and and decide, okay, which one is a better source of counsel? The word of God that is pure, the word of God that stands, that is timeless, the word of God that is unchanging, or this person who their life doesn't align with the scriptures? When Jesus talks to his disciples, he tells them something. He says that you should listen to the Pharisees, but that your righteousness should be better than theirs. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, what they're teaching, what they're saying that the Bible says, that's accurate. But their lifestyle doesn't line up. He said, your lifestyle needs to line up with the teaching of Scripture. Your lifestyle needs to align with that. And the last thing that I'll say on this point is this. For the internal influences, those are how we deal with the external influences. But for the internal influences that we deal with, those things of pride and the hardness of our heart, we must recognize the feelings, the thoughts, and the desires that are contrary to the scriptures. And we repent, putting our faith in Jesus, not ourselves. See, the external influences, it's easy. It's easier to recognize, that you know, that, that that's not a good influence in my life. But when something is coming from right here, that's harder. When something is coming, on, co- coming from right in your heart, you start to feel a certain way. You start to think a certain way. When that is what is going on in your life, it's hard to discern the difference. And listen, I like to always make you understand how much of a sinner I am. And so I'm going to share my own personal testimony. Just this week, I was having a... I was on my way to meet someone, and I was was engaged in a text messaging conversation. It wasn't a long one. I was not like arguing with someone. It was just a question and a response. And when I got the response, like something just jumped in my heart. And when I was sitting there, like I was really bothered by this this situation. And when I was sitting there, the Holy Spirit just showed me, and you got some bitterness that's going on in your heart. And here's the reason why I share this with you. Because I've been, it's not like bitterness came on that day. It's been a while that something has been going on inside of me, and you know, I get in here, and this is just me, and, I, and, and I'm just being totally transparent as I can be. What happens to me is I get caught up in ministry stuff, right? So when I pray, I pray for you, I pray for the church, I pray for God's wisdom in preaching and teaching. And, and I don't, and I have to be totally honest, not, this, is, this is not to sound super spiritual, because by far, I'm not spiritual enough, because if I wasn't, I wouldn't be confessing this sin to you, amen? But still, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think about, like, you know, praying about my heart, like thinking about what's going on inside of me. I kind of ignore certain issues. Someone hurts me. Something bothers me. I get let down, whatever the case. Because that happens, amen? I, I know y'all don't think so, but I, I get hurt, hallelujah, right? I get let down, you know, I get disappointed, you know, all that kind of stuff occurs. I don't walk on water, hallelujah. But here's the thing. I ignore stuff. And then what happens is, after time this stuff starts to, starts to rise up inside of me. And what happens is, as I'm going, as, as I'm going along, because I can tell you, I mean, I, I could go and get in, get, give you great examples, but as time progresses, what happens is, I have a situation occur, it'll bother me, and I'll be like, okay, i got to forgive them, because that's what the Bible says, and we got a lot of work to do. And I'm a firm believer in that. I don't believe in getting caught up in all kinds of stuff. I believe there are more important things to do. But you know what God was showing me? He was showing me, son, there's nothing more important than me dealing with your heart. And see, what happens to us sometimes is that we forget about how necessary it is to let the Spirit of God deal with our hearts. We start feeling like, you know what, these feelings that I'm having, they're just cool. That's how I was feeling. I'm I'm telling you about my feelings. When I was doing this study, this study was for me. Because I started to understand the hardness of my heart in certain areas, the bitterness that was coming up. And so what do I have to do? Well, the beauty of it is that God is so merciful. You know, I had my meeting with my friend, and, you know, we talked. And, you know, I kind of discussed this with them. Went into had an amazing prayer time later on that day, and the Holy Spirit dealt with me. And you know what? It's not like a done deal. God is still dealing with me. And still working with me and making me continue to depend on Him for His grace in order for me not to become embittered and allow my feelings to be the ones that govern my life. Because what will happen is I will allow my feelings to be the ones that dictate my decisions rather than the scriptures. And so here's my question in closing for you What negative influences have you allowed to dominate your heart and dictate in your behaviors? What negative influences? What unbiblical influences? Maybe it's friends that you've allowed to influence you in a way that you know that they shouldn't. Maybe it's your own feelings, your own emotions, something going on inside of you that you are struggling with. That you know by today's preaching, you know that you cannot continue to allow yourself to be led by your pride. You can't continue to allow yourself to be led by bitterness or by anger or by whatever it is, fear or doubt, whatever is going on. Or maybe it's just those relationships. Maybe you have an issue with alcohol like we talked about. Maybe you depend more on a bottle for your comfort than you do Jesus. And you know that that's not what you should be doing. Maybe you you like to hear gossip because it makes you feel better about your situation. Because that's what happens to a lot of us. We want to hear about everybody else's mess so we can be like, man, well, my mess ain't that bad. At least I'm not like at least my situation isn't as bad as but what is it because everybody I I think everybody struggles with certain things there's some of us that are in this place and I've confessed my sin to you and so I hope that you will confess your sin to Jesus Amen? amen stand to your feet and bow your heads with me please so the question is what are the negative influences you have allowed to dominate in your heart and dictate in your behaviors? Where is it that you have more faith in others or yourself than you do in Jesus? Hallelujah. Grab your neighbor's hand, please. Let's pray together this morning. I do this because last week I was I told you I met with someone who visited with us and they were so blessed because I asked you to squeeze your neighbor's hand if you needed prayer and I want you to be that person to pray for the person that squeezes your hand and this person was going through stuff and when they actually came to church they said that they were going to come to the altar call if I did an altar call and I didn't do an altar call but I asked you to pray for one another and so here's the thing if you're struggling with something and you need prayer, I I ask you, squeeze your neighbor's hand. Make sure that you're holding someone's hand right now. And that way nobody's alone. If you have some negative influences, you have some unbiblical influences going on in your heart, squeeze your neighbor's hand and let them know, I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for me. I'm struggling with some things. And I want you to take it seriously. I want you to, that person that squeezed your hand, that person is asking you, be an intercessor for me right now pray for me right now as i pray in general i ask you to pray for them heavenly father right now we come before your presence and god we do thank you because we realize that you are sovereign and in control we do realize heavenly father that you are gracious and you are kind heavenly father we come to you today because we recognize that we need you lord god in our lives Heavenly Father, we are not above anything, Lord God. We are not above the counsel of others. Father God, we are not above the need for your presence and your spirit in in our hearts today. And Heavenly Father, it is my prayer today that you would fill my brothers and my sisters, my God. Heavenly Father, you see the hardened areas in some of their hearts, my Lord. And I pray today that you would bring forgiveness and healing where it is necessary, dear God. I pray that you would uproot bitterness, my God. I pray that you would remove fear, that you would remove doubt, that you would remove unbelief, my God. I pray, Lord God, that you would fill them with faith afresh, dear God. Heavenly Father, I pray for those of us that have negative influences, ungodly influences, speaking into our lives, Heavenly Father. Lord. God, God, whether it is friends and relationships, Father God, whether it is media, Heavenly Father, let us not be cowardly, dear God, and disobedient, but let us confront them in love if possible. Let us change the channels if necessary, but God, let us no longer allow the ungodly influences to grip our hearts, Lord God, to dictate our decisions, Heavenly Father. Lord God, I pray today for your glory and your power to be upon my brothers and sisters, dear Lord. I pray that you would direct us. Dear God That we may bring glory And honor unto your name Dear Lord Father forgive us Dear God We thank you Jesus Because our hope Is in you Our hope Is in your grace Our hope Is in your power Fill My brothers and sisters My God Strengthen them Make us look More like you Jesus Cleanse us Of all unrighteousness we pray this all in Jesus' good name. Someone said? Amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy. As the ushers come forward, we are going to receive our tithes and our offerings um, really quickly. One, two things. Um, one of them is do not forget that the gift cards um, that I asked, I sent you an email regarding the Christmas in the City event that is next Saturday. Okay? Okay? If you brought your gift cards, you can just put your gift card. Those are the $15 gift cards. For those of you that may not have read the email, um, in the Christmas in the City event, they give clothing and, and food and, and toys to all the kids and, and families that, that come to the event. But the teenagers, what they do for them is they give them a gift card. to either um, Target or $15 to Walmart. And so that is the area that they always come up short. And so for some of you, you've already given me the gift cards. I appreciate that. For others of you that have your gift cards with you, please put them um, in the offering um, buckets as they come around. Um, And if not, we have until Wednesday to bring them. I I said Wednesday would be the day that would be the deadline. Um, If you need an envelope for your tithes and offering, just raise your hand and the ushers will get you an envelope if you need one of those raise your hand hallelujah and if you're visiting with us we appreciate you being with us we don't want you to feel like you have to give if you're a visitor if you feel led to give that's fine but you don't have to um, if you are a vision carrier of faith on a fellowship I want to say personally thank you if you're a member here I want to thank you for your faithfulness and your tithes and your offerings and if this is your you know home church then you should give according to God's blessing upon your life and so we ask you pastor Chad he's been doing this for a few weeks and I asked him to do it as just something that's a standard and so he asked you to lift up your tithes and offering before the lord so before you do that i'm gonna i want to tell you why the reason why i ask him to do that is because your giving is not to me it's not to a bucket it's not even to this church your giving is unto god first and foremost and when you lift up your tithes and offering it's because you're saying god i'm giving unto you first and foremost for your glory and for your honor and so that's the reason why we do that so now if you would lift up your lift up your tithe and your offering before the lord ask you to bow your head and ask you to pray with me say heavenly father Today, I honor you with my finances. I thank you for your provision in my life. I know that I should give scripturally, give joyfully, give sacrificially, and give consistently. Help me to grow in this grace of giving and all other graces. In Jesus' good name. Amen.